1: Hello and welcome to the New Books Network. I'm Joanne Kwai, your host for today. I'm a PhD candidate at the Department of Geography, Media and Communication at Kelsen University in Sweden. Today, I've invited my colleague in the same department, Professor Anthony Jansson, to talk about his latest book, Rethinking Communication Geographies, Geomedia, Digital Logistics and the Human Condition, published by the Edward Alga Publishing in 2022. And thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Joanne. So before we dive into the book, can you tell us a little bit about your academic background? What has led you to your current research interests?
0: I defended my PhD, which was in media studies in 2001 at University of Gothenburg in Sweden. And I think already at that point in the dissertation, which was about media and consumer culture, I kind of tried to expand the notion and the thinking around media in in different ways and looked at how media were embedded in different um, forms of everyday practices. And even though I had not really studied human geography or anything like that, it was largely issues related to human geography, like the production of uh, urban space, it was related to tourism, um, and also construction of the home as a domestic space. So I had these different things going on already then. It was like (laughs) ages ago now, 2001. But I had not really formulated this as a geographical approach or anything like that. It it came a bit later, especially in a a research project I was part of um, a couple of years later on when I studied uh, gentrification processes in Malmö, another Swedish city, where there was um, the regeneration of a former harbor area and the construction of a housing exhibition in that part of, of the city and how that was kind of produced through marketing material, how it was constructed in the news flow, and also how people who moved into that area experienced the place. That's, I think, when I really turned, it was a, a spatial turn in, in some sense in, in my own career. And it led also eventually to a book in 2006, an edited volume called Geographies of Communication, where we brought together different media scholars who in various ways problematized space, since space had not really really been problematized in so many books before that. It has now almost yeah, at least 20 years of history, you could say, in, in my career.
1: Mm -hmm. And whenever I mention to some people that I'm from the Department of Geography and Media and Communication to some scholars, and sometimes people often get very intrigued and Mm -hmm. they think about, you know, how can geography and media and communication uh, be related? And you are also the director of the Center for Geomedia Studies we have here at Cal University. So before we rethink about the communication geographies, can you give us some basics so for people who are not familiar with the concept, what are there to think about to begin with when it comes to the geography of communication?
0: That's something which, I mean, first of all, we really see, see it as a f- fantastic achievement that we have really managed to establish a center like that here in Karlstad, in which is, as you say, it's still a rather unique phenomenon to work it interdisciplinary like that in, in a department, bringing together uh, human geographers, media scholars, and tourism st- scholars as well. The, geomedia, the notion of geomedia or media and communication geography, I mean, it, you can understand it on, on different levels or there are different processes going on there. It has to do with the mutual production of space and communication, how spaces are kind of conditioning different forms of communication on the one hand, and how media also contributes to the production of space on the other hand. So it, it can be On the one hand, or on one level, it can uh, be about representations of space, how media are representing uh, spaces and places, Uh, as in the example I mentioned with that kind of urban regeneration process, how how media constructed and contributed to also even the stigmatization of that particular place. It can also be about the kind of uh, saturation of media in places or spaces. So it has to do with how people (laughs) have a very concrete example, how people furnish their homes and or how we are kind of um, carrying our media with us nowadays and how that is part of our mobile lifestyles. So these are two different elements that you can then consider. There is also of course another important branch that has more to do with the involvement uh, of different infrastructures and industries across space. So these are some examples of what it could incorporate. So it's a rather mm big phenomenon. And and I think the fact that it's become more and more important to problematize these relations has to do with the changing nature of our media. Going from a mass media society where it was quite clear, demarcations between different technologies and what was outside of the media, so to speak, and the situation that we have now when media are integrated with everything, <laughs> more or less. So it's it's becoming part of space. It's almost inseparable, uh, our different media from spaces. I mean, you can just think about the Internet of Things and, and all that. So th- then you see so clearly how it's difficult today to talk about geography without thinking media and also the other way around.
1: Mm-hmm. And what about this book in particular? what kind of key arguments you're bringing forth and how was the process of writing a book?
0: Yeah, I mean, this book is, uh, in terms of the process, it's a way of also bringing together insights and findings from several different projects that I have been working on for yeah quite a long time before I wrote the book. And then also to go back to what i just said it's advancing the idea of geomedia i mean geomedia can be understood very narrowly as technologies for navigation and uh, you know representation and so on like locative media if you put it in in another uh, more well-known term but it it can also be like as i try to argue in this book then seeing geomedia as an environmental regime as i call it which is precisely a regime where space and media are blended together so it doesn't have to do with a particular kind of technology it's more like it's turned more and more into a normal state we kind of live in the media when we kind of live in space
1: Mm. And I'm not sure if I should go there, but I do want to ask how do you define space and place?
0: Yeah, that's the, I'm not the human geographer, so I don't have to answer
1: <laughs> that question.
0: No, but I mean, in my understanding here, place is, the, to put it very easy, easily or, or in, in simple terms, how I work with, with those concepts here. It's like seeing place as the more socially specific, socially constructed space, whereas space is a more abstract term.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you've mentioned that you've been working on this topic for a while and in the past 20 years, have you seen any kind of a evolution or disruption or how has it changed? I think it's it's interesting.
0: I mean, if we go back then these like these twenty years, and in at that point there were a few publications in media studies that um, tried to problematize space a little bit. I mean, there were work on like the domestic sphere or the how media were part of uh, construction of nation, for example, and other spatial categories like that, but not really books that problematized space as such. That started to come with, for example, David Morley's work uh, in the UK and and also Nick Coldry and Anna McCarthy's book from 2004, uh, Media Space. I think that was really one of the first books uh, in, in that direction. So there was something going on there around that time. And I think also there was a similar process in human geography, even though I could not see it from the inside at that point. But I know that there were people working on communication geography then and there was also being started a specialty section at the American Association of Geographers in communication geography which i think dealt and for a long time also has dealt especially with various representations of space space in and place in popular culture space and place in news media and things like that so how that's also, I think, how geographers started to become interested in media, like a communicational term. So I got in touch with um, a geographer, Paul Adams. It led to an article we published in 2012 on, on, on communication geography, where we, as a media scholar and a human geographer, tried to see how we could formulate that terrain as a kind of to build bridges between media studies and human geography. Uh, so that was in 2012. And I think yeah what has happened since i mean it's like it's become to me at least it's become more and more obvious that as i said it's it's very difficult to argue for the separation of these two fields they're so closely intertwined today so i can also see that there is a lot of work being done without using these labels which is perfectly fine of course but you know uh, yeah
1: Mm. And talking about labels and concepts, uh, there's also this very intriguing concept called transmedia that you also employed in the book. Can yeah. you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. The
0: way that I'm using transmedia here is it's an extension or, and a departure uh, somewhat uh, in in some sense from Jenkins's, um original understanding and, and others who have worked on, on transmedia, like Scolari, for example. When... It was more about popular media concepts and franchises and things like that and fan culture and the production of content across different platforms and across different uh, technologies at large. What this uh, understanding of transmedia here is also the more overarching technological transformation, which has to do with many more things than just popular media concepts or, or like uh, films or TV series or, or f- fan culture, as I said. it's more. That's the way <laughs> all our media are constructed today. We are continuously circling different types of contents, texts and so on, and we are remaking them and, and they are kind of seeping from one platform into uh, another. That's the way we go about our daily work. Many of us, uh, if we are uh, to the extent we are uh, using digital media today. So I'm adopting what, and developing a, a notion of transmedia, which is ex- expanded compared to the, the original notion.
1: And one key thing that's been featured in the book is also this like digital logistics. Hmm. And, uh, I found some interesting cases you've touched upon, even like the scooters, would that be one of the yeah. examples? Yeah. Like e-scooters the and...
0: so opening up with that as yeah. an example. Yeah. And
1: then also the streaming media is touched on, uh, and how has this be featured in the idea of uh, reconfiguring the communication geography in terms of the digital logistics? Mm. That's another key point in
0: this book that you're mentioning here. I mean, if geomedia is as a concept, I'm trying to develop geomedia as a concept, then the turn to logistics is really important to understand this regime. I mean, if we think... Back upon mass media society, then it was especially something that was studied in terms of representations of, of space and connections across space with the telephone and, and radio broadcasting and all. It was about representing and connecting. Okay, the logistical functions. They have also been there, which is recognized in like certain um, strands of media research, like in the German tradition with cultural techniques and, and, and so forth. However, it's been very much marginalized or it hasn't been recognized as much in media studies um, at large, in mainstream media studies, so to speak. And I think that this transformation that we see now uh, with geo-media means that all these things dealing with like calendars, time <laughs> scheduling and orientation in space, it's become so much more obvious for everyone that that is a central feature of what media is. So in a the, in the geomedia environment, one key development is that logistics take center stage in our everyday life and in, in our dealings with media we use it continuously for coordinating uh, our activities for finding the way for scheduling things and and th- these type of things
1: mm-hmm. can you give us some concrete examples
0: yeah i mean if you just just think about uh, going to a conference and you get um, an app for the conference where you can find your way you have the timetable for when to go to a specific uh, session and uh, <laughs> which building to go to and and uh, yeah and then you can also use it for uh, organizing meetings perhaps with Uh, colleagues and so on so it's it's a matter of all these types of coordinations and then if you also add then the transmedia aspect on that yeah you can see now okay you have in your like in your mail program you have the the calendar is automatically linked to to your mailbox and everything so it's like we are in a kind of agglomeration of different logistical functions and increasingly uh, we are not even thinking about that
1: true and I also recall the example you talked about the parking apps that you have to install everywhere in Sweden every new town you go to there's a new app they have to install
0: so yeah and, and that's another thing also because I when I'm using that example it's also yeah partly based on what people have told us in interviews but you can also go to to your own experiences perhaps it's like it's often argued that we are in a kind of seamless technological culture where things are just you know we are just it's so easy to install a new app and it's so easy to yeah to find your way we become in that sense some kind of logistical experts but at the same time there's a lot of toil and trouble and there's a lot of friction and a lot of problems and frustrations that we all run into in, in our d- daily encounters with these things. So on the one hand, yes, these technologies and these platforms and infrastructures are naturalized to a great extent, but it's not some kind of magic when they enter our life worlds. It's something we need to work with. I mean, appropriation is sometimes a problematic process just to install something in your home. Like I have examples with sound systems, for example, in the book where we find in interviews that, okay, there are some people maybe living with a partner who is really interested in music and in in sound systems. But then if if you're not that interested, then you become dependent on that person who is an expert on that. And you feel perhaps frustrated when you get home on your own and you cannot even start the, the sound in, in in the house so th- these are some 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 frustrations that um that we can also see so i mean life is not that seamless and it's not that unproblematic as we sometimes are uh, suggested <laughs> to think yeah
1: for sure i experience this frustration on a daily basis talking to my smart speakers <laughs> and i have like different systems like with Google and Amazon or whatever, but um, I would like to ask a little bit. uh, This is might be more like self-serving, but like, how does the idea of like digital logistics relate to infrastructure?
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, the connection between infrastructure and logistics is. Is something that has been developed quite much in, in in previous research also because it's like infrastructure is something which is there is something which kind of support other things uh, to take place. If if I or if I put it this way, um, the logistical affordances of media are infrastructural in the sense that they are not generating any com- communication as such. It's more enabling communication to take place. if if that distinction makes sense. I'm advancing three types of affordances in the book that I'm working with. It's on the one hand, representational affordances, how spaces, places are represented, uh, how how we can express ourselves with media. And the second affordance type is connective, how people are connected in communication. But then the logistical ones, which have more to do with infrastructure, is the kind of orientation and how to um, coordinate life. And uh, as I said, um, getting in touch with other people um, and then you can also have these other communication processes, mm-hmm. if that's answering your question.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then you uh, mentioned that you want to advance the uh, concept of geomedia as an environmental regime and it's also as a human condition, mm. as mentioned in the book. Um, how do we understand that geomedia as human condition?
0: I mean, the, the, the human condition that i would like to shed light upon here uh, has to do with the fact that we are in this environment and it is something that is shaping how we are dealing with our social relations um, which has to do with especially things like power relations who are today those who have this type of logistical expertise or the expertise to use infrastructures and technology in a way that is kind of beneficial to them, and who are more on the receiving end in these processes. These are things that today are that, that, that are quite important to our human uh, condition. <laughs> and the, What does it mean to be a human um, and, and live together with others in society? And I think then if we go back to, to the, the question of logistics there, I mean, what we see on the one hand is people having a lot of capacity to be experts in like finding their way to um, very efficiently organize their lives while other people are less has less capacity to do that and and are, I mean I have some fascinating uh, conversations that we have gathered from focus group interviews for example a group of um, retired people who are discussing how how to use like online transactions and things like that where you can see that there are kind of a wide gap between different individuals in such a group where it's like those who who know certain things they are in a in a power position where they can also make jokes about others who don't know very much about this I mean we have always had these types of divides in society but now it's kind of penetrates much more into our daily life I mean you need to have a certain uh, app to even use your bank account on your smartphone and all these things uh, are also of a a logistical nature
1: Mm -hmm. and we take it so much for granted yes Mm -hmm.
0: and that's that also brings me to the other side of digital logistics, which I, I never got to before in the previous question there, I, which is that the kind of dynamics in the connectivity industry, if, if we call it that, I mean, the, there is still, and even though we are also co-producers, there is an industry, those who are making a lot of money on the circulation of data, basically. And this circulation of data, the streaming of both information and feedback data, so to speak. That's also kind of logistical uh, process because the industry, if you, from the industry's point of view, these processes, have, they, they must be as smooth and as efficient as possible. The, the more and the more the richer data you can gather, the more predictable streams that you can uh, generate, the more efficient your, uh, your marketing can be, the more efficient you can kind of design your um, content. So these are logistical processes that are kind of embedded also into this new infrastructure of social media, especially, but you can also see it across the board.
1: Mm-hmm. And this is also one of the key things you're bringing up in one of the chapters, um, the culture of uh, streamability. Hmm. and um if we look a little bit forward what would you say would be some more interesting areas to problematize in when it comes to uh communication geographies Hmm. I can mention a a
0: project, actually, which is ongoing um, together with a colleague, uh, Karin Fast here at um, our university and Magnus Andersson at Lund University. We are running a project called uh, Hot Desks in Cool Spaces, which is about uh, co-working spaces and the post-digital workplace (laughs) And I think this is a, a really good case, also, if you want to think about what Geo media is. I mean, it's a workplace which is entirely dependent on, uh, as perhaps many workplaces today, but it is designed for mobile workers who are uh, dependent on. Internet connection, especially, but also other digital uh, elements, d- digital devices. Um, so what we do there is to dis- to to analyze how these uh, spaces are designed, uh, both for connection, but also for disconnection. Because what we see also today is an in- growing fatigue <laughs> with the digital, uh, wi- with digital uh, connectivity and the kind of overextension and and the kind of distractions that many people feel today. So that type of space is interesting because it's on the one hand it is, you you, you can see the digital as a precondition for its entire existence. And and, and for people to go there, it's like mandatory to to have these things. At the same time, the fact that you have workplaces where people can sit down, have a desk, and they can maybe have a a little room where they can make phone calls, or they can go to another room where they are not allowed to have any technology at all. It's like a regulated form of of, uh, connectivity. So you can see there how it's Hyper connected on the one hand, but then it's there are also efforts to restrain connectivity, so people ease, more easily can find this maybe a focus on on work. Many people say that they are you know if they sit at home working they will be distracted by the smartphones, so they will have all kinds of other things. So these type of offices have a, have a, this dual function enabling. The connected mobile worker to be mobile and to go to different places uh, for work, but also to be fixed in a particular place where you perhaps can also get some support in not being connected. That is an interesting place where we look for this type of media communication and spatial uh, relations.
1: Mm-hmm. You sort of uh, went ahead and <laughs> stole my last question because I was oh, going to sorry. ask you <laughs> about your current projects. But um, actually, in that case, I, I would like to ask because you, you mention like digital divide and people's different kind of acceptance and re- uh, reception of the different kind of digital logistics and towards this phenomenon. And uh, what do you think about GeoMedia as a concept? Uh, does it travel well to other places. For example you know, less developed places where maybe the digital infrastructure is not that developed. Like, So do you have any kind of uh, suggestions on some mm. other scholars maybe out there, uh, intrigued by the concept, but thinking about how to use it? Do you think it has the potential to travel to other contexts? Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. I mean, then it all boils, boils down to what you put into the notion of Geomedia. Because uh, I mean, in this particular book that we are discussing, I, I'm arguing that Geomedia media can be understood as an environmental regime, which is, of course, then something which is largely restricted to societies and, and the context that you have a large penetration of media and where you have an uh, expanded infrastructure and, and so on. At the same time, it, we have also discussed geomedia studies um, as a kind of interdisciplinary field, which is more about um, studying, I mean, the broader question of relations between space and communication and of course that is an approach that you can apply anywhere i, I would say mm-hmm. but then it's an open question whether you want to call it geomedia studies or communication geography or uh, median communication geography or something
1: uh, all of the geomedia studies yeah, so it's like and
0: <laughs> uh, yeah so i started saying it's it's not that important to me really to which concept or which term then you are using Mm -hmm. to demarcate that interdisciplinary area but of course there is a it's a different bias I mean, if you speak about communication geography then it sounds like a subfield to geography as opposed to geomedia studies which would then be a particular branch of, of media studies
1: mm-hmm. so I've taken so much of your time thank you so much for joining me again here today and to our listeners thank you for listening to the New Books Network make sure to check the show notes where we'll be sharing more details about the book and take care. Until next time.